It's a podcast. You know what? I feel like we're in a good place right now. We've gotten through the the worst of these movies. Um, And I don't know about you. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. Um, I fucking love this movie. (laughs) Like, I, I... I watched this, I think I said this either on this show or on another podcast before, but I've probably seen Slam Dunk Ernest more times than I've seen like Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, But it had been 20 years probably since I had watched it. Uh, And I feel like I got even more out of it as an adult than I did as a child. I was, as uh, as I am about all the ones past the first three or four, uh, I've been mixed. Welcome back to Hey Vern, it's a podcast. It has been uh, a little bit. We missed one of our cycles for you guys. Um, no complaints came in. No, none, no, none no one seemed to notice. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I will say we, there is an excuse we noticed. Uh, because we still got to record together within that cycle uh, because I, I guessed it on your lovely podcast, We Love to Watch, uh, which I thought was a very fun and very entertaining episode when it actually came out. Yes, yes, and you were quite a gentleman on it, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, no, you you were great as always. Episodes. Aaron was a piece of garbage, yes. like he usually is, um, but we're we're good now. Yeah, you were as always your charming rogue, the the Han Solo, and Aaron was the the Greedo, um, salacious B crumb. He, he, he was the Greedo, <laughs> and I shot that motherfucker in the face. No regrets. Uh, I like to think that you both came out of that looking petty. Um, but oh, no, I came out of it looking did. like America, <laughs> coming out of it looking like America's smooth boy. So listen to the We Love to Watch episode that we just put out. Which fucking movie was that? All I remember was you guys arguing. Hard Target. Which one? Hard Target. It was Hard Target. You you had me on because yes. it was a Van Damme yes. movie. Which, yes. Uh, and you feel I've like Van Damme would maybe be the this. star of that episode, but instead you're a little family it's, feud. It's was. our feud. Yeah. No, but of course, uh, and I've been perpetuating this for, for years now, you are America's golden boy, and you came yes. out uh, on top of that episode. Uh, Aaron and I were just a, a bunch of petty little jerks, um, but it was a lot of fun, and... and I'm sorry you had to go through that. It seemed like it, it was hurting you on it's, the inside. It's okay. Um, I saw your pain, and I remembered that it was your pain and not my pain, and that um, I, I don't need to internalize what you two are going on, and I don't think it would really help uh, you to get past whatever weird emotional yeah, slump exactly. you're in right it, now. It, Mommy and daddy fighting is not your fault, Peter. Yeah. Um, you, you can just go, go up to your room, uh, play your music, cuddle your teddy bear, and just try to ignore uh, the, the fighting and the loudness going on downstairs. That has nothing to do with you. Uh, it might be a byproduct of you being in the picture, but it's not yeah. your fault per se. You know, I felt like it wasn't my fault until you said it wasn't my fault three, four, or five times. Well, you know, that's how children are. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> Kids. But hey, so, we're not here to talk about all, all that. We're here today to, to come back to talk about our, our good boy Ernest, our lovely little man-child Ernest uh, in all of his glory, uh, playing the basketballs. Mm-hmm. He's shooting hoops, taking it to the hole. He's driving it home. He's shooting for the gold. You know what, Pete? Uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, off of that last statement, um, I have a feeling you're kind of like me in that you don't sports. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I do not generally follow any sports, no. 
But uh, it, it 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 comes across. <laughs> but sometimes sometimes I uh, what's that supposed to mean, motherfucker? <laughs> well, that you're on the same page as me, and yes. that I I don't sports. Oh, that um, we haven't heard the, the closest. Got it. The, the closest I come to sports is uh, I am part of a work fantasy football league mm-hmm. um, that I've done. This is the second year I've done it. I still have not watched a single game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest I come to watching sports is to watch the the live play-by-play on the ESPN fantasy football app, mm-hmm. um, which I find way more satisfying than actually watching sports. You know, it really cuts out all the chaff, doesn't it? All the- yeah, it all the stuff that people uh, look forward to all year round for that like Sunday ticket, and then all of a sudden, you could just watch the highlights. I, I'm all about like that minute and a half delay between plays where I have no idea what's going on, and then I just see the aftermath, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised by it. That's what does it for me. <laughs> oh, I guess that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll be damned. Um, I played I played sports growing up, and and uh, I grew up in a family that liked sports. You would, but... you, you chiseled hunk, you. <laughs> But it, it, I just it, as I get older, it's really hard to give a shit about a lot of that stuff. But um, I do like. I think basketball is like at least fun to watch when you're actually in the arena. Um, it's not necessarily fun to watch on TV like most sports. Are I will say, just about any sport is much more fun if you were actually there. Like baseball, even seem like is... live football games and baseball games, but it's way more fun watching it live and being a part of an event as opposed to just seeing it on tv which is the most boring thing ever yeah baseball famously has a massive gulf between its its uh, enjoyability in the in the crowd at at the actual field versus uh being at home on tv because being at home on tv is like watching fucking paint dry people people would say golf is boring and i was like have you actually watched a baseball game that you're not that like you don't Really, like any baseball game pre-playoffs, like, yeah, because the the players don't even look like they give a shit. They're just kind of like chewing on their their chewing cha and <laughs> chewing cha, spanking the ball around in their hands. Everybody's got a ball, and they're all spanking it in their in their gloves. Everybody's got a glove too. Hey Pete, Pete, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I think you actually just watched a uh, baseball themed gay porn. I did. I thought it was baseball one time. I did didn't I? Uh, damn it! Uh, it was so boring. <laughs> Once again, hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> uh, but no, but uh, yeah, basketball. Like even watching on TV, it's so fast paced and it moves back and forth across the court so quickly. Like yeah. it's it can keep your attention. It can keep your attention, but it does have that thing with like um sort of like with hockey where it goes so fast that like it it, it can be very exciting. But like if you don't know the language of it. You're gonna be bored because it's just gonna look like a white blur in front of you. Okay. Hockey, well, and I do hockey enjoy got hockey so much better well. with HDTVs. Ho- hockey man. is something I actually, yeah, hockey I can actually enjoy watching on TV. Basketball, I think, like has a bit more appeal though, just because it is something that's fast paced, but it's also high scoring. So when you watch like hockey or soccer, when like the scores are like three to two at the end of the game, not as exciting as something to where like they can get a hundred plus points in a game, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, and and so yeah, that was another reason I really liked playing basketball growing up. Is that like there were a lot of opportunities for even me. The where bat, were you? The a, were you a point kid. guard? Did you did you did you have shoe game? <laughs> I was just a, I was a big kid, so they mostly put me in the standing in the way kind of positions. You know, they uh, I mostly set up picks for other people to shoot. You know that kind of thing. Um, you were the wall. Yeah, I was the wall, uh, especially before all the other kids hit puberty, because I was just so much bigger than them. And 
that was also why I, I, I stopped playing football in eighth after eighth grade because in eighth grade that's when all the other kids went through puberty and all of a sudden I went from like the biggest kid on the team to somewhere in the like the low middle hmm. and uh, I really didn't like the idea that I had to start lifting weights or some bullshit. Yeah, because why do anything if you have to try at it? I know. It taught Hence me the, this it, podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, taught, it taught, taught me the old lesson, never try. Because why bother? And <laughs> but, who cares? But genuinely, I was like, football's fun, I get to run around, I get to hit kids, and then all of a sudden kids started lifting weights, and I was like, hmm. Like, oh no, they might good. hit me back. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Uh, getting picked up by a kid that had three inches on me was like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh my god, that's what the kids felt like last year to me. But the, I will say on the flip side of that, sport movies are generally pretty awesome. As long as they don't uh, overplay their hand and be like, if we don't win this game, they're going to close the orphanage. Like, if they, well, if, they, if they don't overplay their hand, it's usually pretty compelling. Like, Hoosiers is a kick-ass movie. Every boxing movie is at least okay. It's always about the underdog. Yeah. Um, and... Okay, so we'll get to it eventually, but the movie we're watching today is Slam Dunk Ernest, and it's basically Teen Wolf Ernest is the movie. Yeah, he gets a power but, up, but basically. It's like, but it's like Teen Wolf Ernest if the whole purpose of Teen Wolf was really just uh, an examination of the battle between good and evil, God and the devil. Yes, yes. Uh, it, this is uh, Ernest's Job story. Yes. <laughs> um, this is a serious man. For Ernest movies. The serious man of Ernest movies. Well, and I guess before we even get into it, Pete, P- Peter Moran from We Live to Watch, who is just now getting introduced in his own show, um, why don't we tell the people what the show is and what we're doing and how how it's going to go? Uh, well, Marcus Jones, uh, host of uh, Jean-Paul Van Damme and Crush Celluloid. You can also find his writing on that website. There's... Smooth, smooth, flawless. <laughs> this show is an examination of Ernest from a die-hard uh, Ernest fan, you, Marcus Jones, and me, a casual fan who's entering into it and didn't have Ernest yeah. as a child. I, I am pretty much the John McClane of Ernest fandom. <laughs> um, and then eventually you'll just be the John McClane of Ernest. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the I'll be the g- good day to die watching an Ernest movie uh, period of my fandom. So I'm trying to tap into my inner child and see if I can negotiate a love for Ernest uh, into into him. Um, right While now, I'm trying to see if uh, my my dire love of Ernest as a child uh, is still relevant today or if I was just a stupid fucking kid growing up in the south in the, in the 90s yeah it's it's not but I feel like the last couple episodes we've done have been incredibly incredibly uh, hard as a test for you it must have been trying yeah. it, it's well because okay so I, we did we the racist big ones mistake. we did the racist movies we, bit, we made a big mistake. We should have uh, dealt these out in a better way because we basically did the best four movies, the first four movies up front, out of the way. Then we just had like the middling to terrible rest of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went ahead and like, okay, let's just knock out the terrible ones first. We'll kind of offset those by doing a terrible one and then an early one and kind of like bouncing back and forth. And now we're just kind of left with the middling uh, ones as well as some offshoots that we'll do as later episodes. Yes. Um, and so I, I'm okay where we're at. We, spoiler. we made this decision. 
We're living in it. Yes. Spoiler, though. It felt like we got our, our, our game back this week, so to speak. It felt like we got the show back from us. We got. Did, did we uh, get our groove back, so to speak? We sure did, boss. Uh, <laughs> we we basically went through hell, uh, and now we're in just like a, a sort of like purgatory. Yeah, it's like balmy and hum- humid, but like it's not that bad. Yeah. You can, you know, you like, can like we know we, we don't have anywhere to go but down, but like we're in the middle right now and we're okay. Yes. Uh, because we have unfinished business to do, which is finishing the rest of these Ernest films, and we're not going to go to hell yet. Yes, not yet. Um, and hopefully our nadir truly is Ernest Goes to Africa and uh, Ernest in the Army now, boys, Army, army well, Man Ernest. I'll say, well, right off the bat, uh, this movie, Slam Dunk Ernest, is very much a, uh, it's an Ernest sports movie, but it does have very much like, oh, he's playing basketball, that's obviously a black thing, uh, let's shove Ernest into that world, and directed, of course, by John Cherry, a very, uh, southern white gentleman and stuff. Were you offended at all by this movie? Like, did it rub you the wrong way, uh, as opposed to, like, Ernest Goes to Africa? You know, when the movie started, and, uh, it had, uh, Ernest, uh, Slam Dunk Ernest. Um, and graffiti. Graffiti <laughs> in a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air style, painted on a brick wall. I uh, I cringed. I, I set my teeth tight uh, the way you might, the way you might uh, before a, a villain puts a power drill right into your arm. Um, but instead, what I'll say is that uh, I found this movie pretty enjoyable and not racist not racist is after the past two movies not racist is a pretty amazing bar for it to clear so nice work slam dunk Ernest. and the team is pretty diverse in in terms of attitudes and approaches and 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 feel and style and there's like some uh recognizable character actors and real actors in in the cast and uh yeah I, i i do think that this movie managed to dodge a bullet in a way that helped make it enjoyable in a a sort of like um it helped make it enjoyable, man. Like it was, it's it's actually like a fun little kids movie, and I didn't have this weird guilt hanging over my head, like it was like passing on racist mores to children. I was pleasantly surprised that this was a good experience. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of that, do you want to talk about the little episode we did as well? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say uh, just about the movie before we go in, like there are very specific stereotype characters. Like when you see like a, a group of black men, like you kind of have like the 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 solid leader guy, and then you have like the the wild card, and then you have like the preacher character. <laughs> like it kind of has that, but it doesn't feel gross in any sort of way. Uh, so of course, before we even get into the movie, we just did a little bit of background about that. Uh, we pair up each movie with an episode of Ernest, short-lived one-season kids show from 1988. Hey Vern, it's Ernest. Uh, and this week, we have Hey Vern, it's sports. Uh, though, I guess it's kind of weird because there's very little sports action going on in this episode. It's mostly just about, like, 
a wrestling match for ten thousand dollars. It's a it's a huge field for a, a huge ripe field for Ernest to uh, plunder, and yet they constantly avoid the topic of sports or people playing sports. It's very weird. I will say we we have done so many of these episodes now. We've well, I guess we've done eight of these episodes now, uh, and I think we both kind of lost our taste for them in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, this show's kind of the same thing over and over again. However, this one kind of blew me away in a lot of ways because it was very mm. fast-paced, Stockholm but usually it's like it. thing to thing. Uh, but they came back to almost every character they they visited in the beginning of the episode, they came back to at some point in time. So it was just like back and forth and like very fast-paced, and it seemed like they went through a lot more skits, uh, skits and like people than they usually do in these episodes. There weren't very many long sketches. They were all very much like 30 to 45 seconds per person and coming back to people. Yeah, I mean... I... I saw some stuff come back around, and the fact that the clown and wife was not just like a one-off bit, and it kept coming back around. This is the best My Father the Clown episode we have seen thus far, and I have shit to say about it. So, what's the deal here? The The wife basically reveals that her, her and uh, the clown husband, they met in high school. They're high school sweethearts. She does, she does like a grease number. Yeah, it's like a, a musical number, and it's actually pretty good. I enjoyed the song that she did. I generally like the music that they do in the show, even when it's like clearly could only be uh, hip and fun for thirty seconds at a time. But they're like these these snappy little sometimes they these like snappy little musical bits, and it like get gets your attention because it's not just like like that fucking barbershop thing. Okay, I'm so done with that. Like that, it it's. The same thing to where, like, they film about 20 seconds of material for it and then just fill in the same thing they do over and over again. Same bit, same joke over and over again. I- I'm done with that. However, my father the clown this yes. week. Oh, my dear Peter. So for once, the mother is a character. She has pretty much never been a character. She's a background actor that we've been, like, projecting shit onto. Yeah, we've been projecting our sadness on her. Yeah, her, her first bit, the, the clown father is not even in it. It's just her doing a musical number talking about her life. And basically it seems that, like, a clown swept her off her feet in high school. He was different from the other boys. Her parents didn't approve, and that made her want him even more. And now this is her life. Like, how many pies in the face does it take to break a woman is what this is about, really. That's so true. That's so beautiful when you put it that way. It can be read as a little bit of an allegory, you know, that it's a story of, of a woman uh, falling in love with someone she shouldn't, but the way that she, but the, that forbidden love just makes it more alluring. Yeah, we, we all know clowns are like the bad boys of the world. Yeah. <laughs> the ones, they, I mean, if you're, if you're in a, a, a honky nose and clown makeup and have a pie in your hand, you might as well be riding a motorcycle with a leather jacket. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of girls don't want to admit it, but they, they do want to date a clown. At least, you know, try it out for a summer. One fateful summer. But, you know, you try it out, you let you let the clown bad boy uh, get in where he shouldn't, do what he shouldn't, and then you're knocked up, and then this is your life for yeah. the next 30 years, and you gotta make do. And the only way to get through the day and to feel kind of okay about yourself is to sing a grease-style song about your, your romance and make it feel like it's more than it is. And then, you know, your husband comes in later on in the sketch, and then 
he he gives you a kiss and pies you in the face going out the door and then we see this woman broken it's it's very it's reminiscent uh, of like john cassavetti's a woman under the influence i think mm-hmm. very um, re- very and, reminiscent yeah. i would say it's almost too reminiscent i would say it's an outright homage yeah, they pretty much stole it uh, like i i feel like if we just actually saw the show my father the clown uh in the in the show, the way it's progressed, it, they're basically just ripping off Cassavetes at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, the the mother in the show is just fucking Gina Rollins losing her shit. It's so wonderful to see the roots that like she's she's dreaming of a time when she was in love with the clown. You know, the, she she still has she doesn't have any of the love in the present day, but she has the memories at least. Yeah, it's she, only nostalgia. That's why it goes to the grease like musical number because that's what it was like back then. If it was current, she'd have like some weird new wave song about how she hasn't had an orgasm in twelve years. Like it's, it's, it's a dark time now, but she has the nostalgic past to look back on. Yeah, and he's picking up on all these weird new fetishes. He always wants to pie her in the face, and she doesn't know where that came from. And she's just she's getting concerned. And and like, dude, seriously, calm the fuck down with a seltzer bottle. That is not meant to go in certain places. No, no, it burns. Goddamn clowns. Sorry, I mean part. I, I love sorry. how dark this episode got off the bat. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I didn't mean to say that out loud. But like, okay, so, so clowns, you know. Yeah, I know I, they're the worst. <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, this episode, Hayburn at Sports. The whole uh, idea of the episode, the story behind it, quote unquote. There isn't much of a story in any of these episodes, but it's that. Um, Ernest decides that he wants to become a wrestler, and there is a, a big time wrestler called uh, Chainsaw Chester. Chainsaw who, Chester. Yeah, he ch- challenges like anyone that can beat me, I will pay you ten thousand dollars. So Ernest, of course, decides to become a wrestler to to get that ten thousand dollars. He becomes Ernest the Furnace, which I think is actually kind of clever wordplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not bad. Um... Though he would definitely be a heel in any wrestling world. They would never name a good character something as dorky as Ernest. That's true. He, he would be like the Paul Bearer mm-hmm. of the wrestling world. Paul um, Bearer. But no, I, I like... Oh, go ahead. Would you, Paul Bearer. Would you, would you think about that? That's just That's just beautiful there. Like he would, he would be kind of like the, the, the shitty side character, like manager of better characters mm-hmm. <laughs> at best. But I like the names he was going through before he came to Ernest the Furnace. He was just like Shark Breath Whirl, Honeysuckle Whirl. No, oh, that's not masculine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it is one of those episodes where like I wanted to see the big fight at the end, and then when it doesn't really come, it's a little disappointing. It is, but I love what they did with it because at the end of the day, he goes through this whole episode like building himself up, training in dumb ways, like, you know, hitting a punching ball and like it hitting him back in the face, stuff like that. And then he gets to it and like, oh no, this guy is big and intimidating. Uh, oh, I'm not Ernest the Furnace. My, my buddy Vern over here, he's Ernest the Furnace. And then Vern gets the shit beat out of him, ends up in a body cast, and then Ernest comes and torments him in the hospital, which I thought was beautiful and amazing and dark, and I kind of loved it. You know that actually, this return to Ernest as like a true tormentor, um, you know, getting him back to his roots, in Slam Dunk Ernest, they really do get to that. Uh, They really do get to the, the 
Ernest as an annoying figure and almost like it, it's kind of like you love to hate him whereas like in some of these movies he's just a straight up like dumb hero like it's sort of like an Adam Sandler type or a Chris Farley type um, as opposed to like this genuinely annoying character but you're charmed by him at the end because he has a sense of humanity it, it, I think that the um, the nice thing about this movie is they seem to kind of remember what what the Ernest core was, which is kind of to be an annoying dipshit. To be the annoying neighbor, yeah. Yes. To to be the guy that like has good intentions, is kind hearted, and people kind of put up with because of that. Like he's kind of like the slow kid hanging around that like everyone's cool with until he starts to get in the way of shit. Yeah. Uh and he does that very well in this because he does like just fuck up a lot and like do very thoughtless things. But at the same time, when that happens, people hurt Ernest's feelings. And when you hurt Ernest's feelings, like, that's the one thing you don't do from the commercial. That's the one rule. You don't hurt Ernest's feelings. When they do that in the movie, no matter what he did, you're immediately on his side again. Because, oh, you fucking hurt Ernest's feelings. Like, no, you can't do that. And then he kind of comes back and can kind of be the hero. But it's just like, no, he's just trying to not get his fucking feelings hurt. Yeah. And aren't we all, you know? I know I am when... I'm on your show and Aaron is just ripping into me like I'm just some fucking earnest. Marcus, I'm so sorry you feel that way. <laughs> I'm so sorry, buddy. Are you okay? Do you need a minute? <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. That just felt really fun to me. And I really, if I'm ever back on your show, I'm going to bring that in and I'm just going to, I'm going to play the, the poor, sad, earnest character that just gets his feelings hurt and try to win everyone back onto my side yeah just keep in mind that will not get aaron on your side uh, associating with Ernest, i'm gonna make is just gonna, I'm gonna make, make aaron look more. like i'm gonna make aaron look like such an asshole i'm yeah. i'm looking for please Our in the future sometime guest. we're gonna do that <laughs> oh man okay so sorry uh so, anyway, yeah, so i gotta, I gotta admit something the t- when the tongue came back and the the baby Ugh. came back. The tongue and the baby goat can go fuck themselves. I'm I, so over both of those characters. God damn, this show is just draining on me, and I didn't realize watching a 20-minute episode once a month was going to be draining for me, but... There is some okay stuff in here, though. Like, a lot of it is draining, a lot of it is very samey. Like, fuck Matt Finish, fuck Barbara Earl, fuck the tongue, fuck the baby Ernest. Um, Auntie Nelda is the star of this episode. Auntie Nelda's got a, 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 some good one-liners here and there. I think uh, she does different costuming, even which we've never seen before. She's for her. the Lady Gaga of this show, I would say. She is, but yeah, she she's playing the referee. She's playing a cheerleader. She's doing all sorts of things. Uh, I love her as the cheerleader, by the way, because at some point she's just like she starts cheering and then she's like, "Give me more money than the Beatles, and then I'll continue." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love. I love, and I needed to write this down, uh, Chuck and Bobby are playing tennis, and... <laughs> Garrett's Artane with that fucking tennis racket is great. Oh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Uh, but he's playing... The Chuck and Bobby bits are the only, like, new thing they do every week where they have to come up with something new, and, mm-hmm. uh, he, and he's talking about Bobby, and he goes, Bobby's got a pretty good backhand. I guess he got it from Dad. There's what? child abuse jokes in this what? episode. <laughs> They make a joke about Bobby getting beaten by his father. Yeah. And and it's his brother Chuck saying this just like, you're the one that used to get beat. I didn't. What what the fuck is that about? That that caught me off guard. 
But again, like, I, I like the fact that there are some more adult jokes in here that don't wouldn't make it to kids, but, like, I don't even think they're really trying to, like, please, like, oh, let's do something for the parents watching this. I just think this this group has a dark sense of humor that is just going to come out in a very kind of playful way. Yeah, they all resent that they couldn't do more um, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam. Yeah, which yeah. was... Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam is the equivalent of uh, the Pee Wee Herman show HBO special that Pee Wee Herman did in like the mid-80s before he got Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes. That's kind of what that was. And then it was like sanitized to Pee Wee's Playhouse, which is very much what Ernest was going into the movies and the TV show. Yes, and Pee Wee's Playhouse is good, so there is there is a difference there. Um... Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, not going to defend the TV show that much, but if we're going to movies, like, fuck you, I'll take uh, five out of the ten Ernest movies above Big Top Pee-wee any day of the week. I, I uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, yeah, that's a classic, I can't touch it, but Big Top Pee-wee, I'll take five of those Ernest films above it any day of the week. Marcus, it's okay, it's okay, no one's making you choose, no one's making you make this awful I know, I can, I can have it all, Wait, I can, can have them all. <laughs> I can, I can rub myself can in VHS all. tapes all day. Yes, I just imagine you <laughs> hugging VHS tapes of, of various Pee Wee and, er, and Ernest movies. Just Which I, I, did, I did totally watch my VHS copy of Slam Dunk Ernest for this episode. You know, I'm proud of you to watch it in its original format. Un, un, unaltered by the, the hacks at Amazon who might change you know, the aspect ratio from its, its gleaming Oh no, it, it was bad to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that is probably the best way to watch a movie like this. It adds that like uh, that '90s kids movie well, texture. It's what it was made for. Yeah, this I is bought made to be a VHS on... movie. Yeah, to to be distributed foreignly and on TV and stuff like that. It was made to be a movie on VHS. This did not get a theatrical release whatsoever. And yeah, it would not. So I bought Heavyweights on Blu-ray this summer, and while I loved it and I, I appreciated that the movie still was looked Slender good, Ernest a bonus feature. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there was something weird about not watching it at like on like a four three VHS that's like a little scratchy because we watched it a thousand times. I was like, wait, why is this so crisp? Wait, yeah, what's I don't a think bonus I want to watch Heavyweights on Blu-ray. Like, no, I don't need it in that high quality. That's a low-quality movie that needs to be seen in a low-quality format. <laughs> the show, the show is bad. I just wanted to sit and park on the fact that there's a child abuse joke just right in the middle of it that I'm pretty sure no child I, would catch. I, I was, yeah, no, I, that that caught me immediately. I was like, okay, yeah, fuck, we're just doing uh, hitting kids jokes. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, at least two times, uh, Mac and George, the the uh, one of the most hateable characters on this show, and a very cute lizard, uh, having a scene together. Uh, it, the 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 lizard George, he's playing pinball like it's a fucking Richard Linklater movie. <laughs> I <laughs> and Mac makes a joke. He's like, "Oh, he's a real pinball lizard. Go fuck yourself, Mac." Like yeah. that. Fuck you Again. for trying to make a. <laughs> A pinball wizard joke. Yeah, once again, I would just love, just love for Mac to get arsenic in his coffee one of these days. Because that character is just... Oh, George would do it. But yeah, I would love to see George kind of ripping out Mac's insides. Oh, man. Oh, wait, so quick question. You know how, like, eventually your cat or your dog will start eating you if you die in your apartment and no one comes to let him out or anything? Oh, yeah, I'm expecting that. Can't wait. How, how my days to end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can't wait. 
Um, side note, so you're you're with me that that's actually a good thing. That like I I would love for my dog to live a little bit longer and get a second chance off of eating me. Hey, yeah, no, if he's stuck in here and, and there are no other options and like who knows how long it's gonna be before someone finds him because I died suddenly and. I don't have a lot of people in my life, and obviously no one would really care. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Live off my body. Maybe make it until, you know, someone notices that things smell funny. Or yeah. I haven't been at work in a week or something like that. Too true. You know, too true. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much a, a big fan of, of me having another purpose before I, uh, you know, I get cremated me being able to keep that dog alive a little bit longer people always get weirded out by the idea where they're like an old an old person gets like nibbled on by their cats after they die i'm like well i mean the old person but what about uh, the cat yeah the old person had a the the shitty uh shitty lack of foresight to put out extra food for the cat and died like that like come on well again the person's dead you can't do anything they're dead that's it what about the cat the cat deserves to keep living if it's not past its prime. Yeah, people are just weird about their bodies after they die. Do they realize that you're not there anymore? Yeah, and you're gonna, you know, disintegrate anyway. Uh, I mean, you know, you can be cremated, you can be buried, but whatever, it's gonna go away. I might as well help something like after it, you're gone, instead of just being a selfish prick. Yeah. Like you were throughout your regular life anyway. Yeah, and also, like, the whole the idea of burying is just, like... I know it's, like, a generational thing that's changing, but the idea of burying is very uncomfortable to me because, like, so you just want to make sure that you turn into, like, a zombie-like husk in there. Exactly, and you're just taking up space, and really, I mean, when we, if we're being real, graveyards are just a place for teenagers to get high and drunk in. Um, and we've got enough graveyards for that, I think. Yeah, we already. Had plenty. I had, I had a multitude of graveyards to get drunk and high in as a teenager. We don't need any more. Yeah. I was good, and I was living in southern Alabama. So, <laughs> if you're living in a metropolis, I'm guessing you have the, the, the king's pick Ugh. of oh graveyards god. to get drunk and high in. <laughs> oh my god. When I lived in Chicago, it was like, uh, do I want to get high in this graveyard because it's got some sick-ass mausoleums we can hide inside? Or like, oh, do I want to get drunk in this graveyard because, like, uh, that's where my whole family is buried? Like, you know, you'd pick of the litter on your average exactly. Saturday you night. have all of it. I, I just had, like, one solid graveyard where, like, there's weird angel statues to where, like, you put your hands to their hands and maybe you see into their eyes and there's some weird thing that happens. We had mausoleums that you would climb on top of and get kind of drunk and it was very dangerous and we shouldn't have been doing it. Yes. But, you know, you're teenagers. That's what you do. You climb on top of mausoleums and see what happens. Yeah, and then one of your friends, like, brings out a big boom box and hits play and it just plays, like... The cheapest punk mu- music that could be licensed, and uh, then one of your friends who has like a nose ring that connects to a nipple ring on a chain takes off her shirt. You're not really sure how that works because you know the shirt is this on top of the ring and everything. Um, she takes off her shirt, starts doing a little like topless dance on the gravestone. You wake the dead a little bit, and then you have to kill a bunch of zombies. But like. You know, you go back to school on Monday and you're so tired because you killed zombies all weekend. Like, everybody has that experience because of graveyards. So I'm thankful for graveyards that they exist, but we don't need any more of them. I think we're set. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of Linnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm, I kind of zoned out for a little bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, Hayburn at sports, uh, five out of five. 
Um, so do you want to talk about, um, do you want to talk about, uh, Ernest takes it to the hoop and well, slam dunk Let me see. Let, let me look over my notes real quick, see if there's anything else I really wanted to mention from this episode. Marcus, um, we talked I did about transitional chi- language. We, we talked about the child abuse. We talked about my father, the clown. Uh, we talked about Ernest selling out Vern, him getting almost beaten to death in a body cast. Uh... Oh, my last note from this episode is I think Ernest is the reason I'm such a monster. He ruined me at a young age. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't agree more. I officially hate the show, but we are in too deep to bail. <laughs> well, because, I, again, I'm coming at this from, like, I have loved Ernest from an early age, from childhood. He was kind of, like, my hero. He's someone I identified with. I was an only child. I was very alone as a kid and stuff. And I felt myself in Ernest, and I felt like maybe I just had Ernest in me. I was, like, like lovable goof that was just kind of pathetic and just wanted to fit in and wanted to be something uh but then i saw a lot of the dark humor in this episode and a lot of the movies and stuff and i was just like oh i think that's why like i'm so into really dark awful comedy and humor and maybe why i'm so uh unempathetic towards other people (laughs) i think (laughs) ernest made me a fucking monster (laughs) because he's an immortal being that doesn't have to feel anything for anyone but just chooses to when it's convenient uh and that's how i've lived my life and now i'm here doing this with you (laughs) yeah yeah um the only thing i feel is uh, a twitch of excitement when i finally get through the part of my day when i'm done talking to human beings and being alone is the best uh, isn't it That's the best drug. I just can't wait till I, I can be like uh, that uh, dude from the last segment of Creep Show. I'm just in my buggy apartment. He's all alone, but at least he has the bugs for company, you know? That was the point yeah. of the, the segment, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that's why they put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's all you need, man. Just be alone and you're good. Yeah, just be but alone. Like, and he was, he was kind of lonely, and then the bugs came in. And then the the majority of my day is just like, hey, people are around me, and I'm just like... I, can I just? Can't you just fucking leave me alone? Uh, but then I'm alone for long periods of time, and then I'm like, oh, this is lonely. I wish I had some company or comfort. And then, oh, but people. Yeah. So that's Ernest kind of the there, the catch twenty two of my life. But I have Ernest, so I do that, and uh, I'm a sociopath. That's awesome. <laughs> So, Slam Dunk Ernest, 1995. Yeah, thank Ernest you. I needed, someone to, I, I needed someone to, to cleanly transition us into the episode, <laughs> considering I tried. Um, let's talk about that opening sequence. It's funny. It's better than any of the other opening sequences, because it's not like a riff on like Pink Panther and 60s-style opening sequences. It's actually just like a funny joke that's going through. It is. So, we open, and it's 1964. And Ernest is, I don't know, about 10 or so, 10-ish. Yeah. Um, And we basically see, uh, in timeline-wise, that means like when this movie takes place, he's in his 40s. Wait, hold on, it's 1964. So that means that Ernest has has seen the footage of John F. Kennedy being shot in the head. Well, yeah, I'm sure he watches it on repeat every night. (laughs) Yeah. Just because he he thinks it's it's cool. (laughs) 
Hey Vern, you want to come over and watch uh, this approved tape again? Hey Vern, back to the left. Back <laughs> to the left. Hey Vern, I made a genuine replica of the car that was used in the Dallas assassination. Look, the chair, hey Vern, the chair jolts hey at the time. That, that <laughs> hey Vern, I just got a job in a book expository. I think this is going to go well. <laughs> So, so just canonically, as everyone knows, Ernest has, um, he was bad at basketball in 1964. He, as a, um... 40-some-odd-year-old. Yeah, 40, he's 40 going on, uh, seven eons, probably. Well, I mean, because 1964, at the time, he looks like he's maybe 10 to 12, something like that. This movie takes place in 1994, 1995, so that's 30 years later. So he's, like, in his 40s-ish. We we think he's, you know, a supreme being that has no age, that time doesn't, uh, you know, uh, bother with him. He's just immortal, but it's, you know, maybe he's on his 40s, and uh, we've put too much thought into him as a character. Yeah, he's like a... He's like honey, you know? He's sweet, and he lasts forever. No disease can infect him. That's true. He has a special connection to bees. I'll come up with that later. (laughs) Um, And Ernest can be smothered all over a body during erotic situations. So... I will say th- this is this movie opens in the weirdest way because again I was a little worried because I hadn't watched this since I was like ten or eleven years old probably after watching it fifty fucking times. Um, but yeah, I was worried because I knew it was a basketball related. I knew that like it was Ernest and then like a team uh, of black men in a, a basketball league and stuff. I was very worried. So when it opened up and it was very kind of like hip-hoppy and like graffiti fonts in the opening i was just like oh no is this gonna be another goes to africa or like gonna be a hip-hop earnest Little did you know, there's only that. one goes to africa the thankfully thankfully uh but this opening scene of him as like a 10 year old in 1964 is perhaps one of the saddest fucking things i've ever seen because it seems like there's this group of kids that hang out in the neighborhood and Ernest is kind of a part of it, but he's, he's off to the side. He's like, kind of like the, the slow kid that like, they're all kind of okay with. And like, he hangs around. They don't really, they're not really friends with him. They don't really talk to him, but they're okay with him being around because, Oh, that's Ernest. Uh, until he gets in the way of stuff. And like, the the basketball comes to him they're all like no Ernest, don't shoot it no i know you want to but don't do it just give me the ball Ernest, calm down just don't do your thing and then he immediately causes complete fucking havoc in the town by throwing a basketball yeah he's um bounces the ball through restaurants and he causes car accidents um he's yeah, he's sort of um, a, a Stephen King style character, like a Randall Flag. He he kind of chaos goes where he goes. Um, bad things happen when he shows up, and everyone seems to not only recognize that, but are too afraid to actually kick him out of their circles, which implies that they understand. Well, that's because his power. They they know his power. Yeah, because they know that if they do that. Ill will is going to come their way. They will be cursed, and something will come their way and destroy their lives because they they faulted Ernest. You cannot fault yeah. <laughs> this sad, pathetic, immortal being that, know what that I mean? has no idea what's going on and no way to to make things better. 
but god damn it if he can't fucking ruin your life forever yeah uh without even trying yeah and um it's not to be forgotten that uh, he's the baby he's the boy it's so it says in the title sequence uh as as this ball is just going rampaging around town smashing up shit uh in, in a there, hit song a couple of he's the baby he's comedic the boy. bits yeah there's a couple of good comedic bits in this though uh for one we do get a nut shot i'm not sure if that we've had any nut hurting related humor in this series so far but we definitely get a oh my god i got kicked in the nuts joke in this which i think is great but also there's a scene where the basketball that he shot uh goes into a restaurant and causes havoc for people in the restaurant and then the basketball comes out of the restaurant and the valet like holds keys up in the air like oh you forgot your keys to a basketball mm. which i thought was kind of great it is pretty great because uh, basketballs can't drive cars who who would ever think they would you know just shows you those valet guys a uh, stupid valet attendant that doesn't <laughs> understand how the world works it's insane it's insane but yeah so this is a flashback this also gives us a you know a little bit of taste of what a young Ernest, like a Ace Ventura Jr. or Son of the Mask would be. And uh, we don't need it because it's very depressing. It is very depressing. And that's the thing is I think they, they center it so much. They put a year on it. They put a time stamp on it. I think that's what makes it uh, sad and pathetic. <laughs> because usually in, in other movies, if we see a, a baby Ernest or a young Ernest, it's it's a quick flashback. Like in Scared Stupid, it's like, oh, he uh, he never listened. And then smacked in the back of the head, we go back to the story. This is like an entire opening scene setting the tone for the movie, just making Ernest the most sad, pathetic character ever, causing havoc, but you kind of want to feel bad for him, but you kind of can't because he, he's a monster. <laughs> yeah, um... Because he still, despite the fact that he knows that every time he performs an action, irrevocable harm comes to those around him, he still chooses to get off the bench. He still chooses to work on his strange creations. So, Because he's a self-centered sociopath. And you wonder if that's that he doesn't... Yeah, he's he a sociopath that doesn't understand cause and effect, and that he thinks that, you know, well, since I came out on top, it doesn't really matter? Or does he legitimately not get that See, everything I, he does is bad? I think it's somewhere in between. I think he gets that he is a curse. I think he gets that he ruins lives, and that he is a burden to anyone he is ever around. But at the same time, he is so desperate for attention, and so desperate to to fit in that he pushes through anyway knowing that he's going to ruin these people's lives just trying to fit in just trying to get a little bit of affection even knowing that it's all going to go to shit because that's how it seems because it's like he's the most pathetic thing you will ever see he's sad he's lonely no one will accept him and then as soon as like the tiniest bit of affection comes towards him as soon as a tiny bit tiniest bit of recognition comes towards him immediately that bravado comes back and he's just like well yeah because i'm fucking ernest p Worrell." yeah so i it, he's a fucking sociopath but he's still our, our beautiful he's still our boy. beautiful boy <laughs> he's our he's our sociopath you know he's our i mean he's boy. who i've modeled my fucking life after so yeah he's he's our golden boy yeah oh he's a sweetie. oh i've I have done so much wrong to see yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, you, you have. And yet you keep doing things. And it's, um, it's troubling, yes, but I have I learned been, from the best. 
I haven't had my life ruined by you yet, except for this podcast. Yep. Yeah, you've, you've ruined we my life had too. Physical contact. We yeah. haven't had physical contact yet. As soon as I touch your arm, uh, yeah, everyone around you will disown you. Uh, your dog will die. Uh, your your fiance will leave you, uh, and then you'll only have me. Know oh. what I mean, Burn? I've been looking for a reason to consciously uncouple from my consciousness for a long time, and I feel like maybe you could be the vector for that. Have you ever considered I, helping? I, all people I'm going to just... say is that I I could be your hero, baby. Thank you so much. Um, so Ernest is working for a cleaning company called Clean Sweep, and he, he's a janitor again. I can uh, do a which quick is recap. Kind of the most suiting role for him. Yeah, I could do a recap. Ernest working as janitor really wants to be friends with this basketball team. That's also this is his entire company that he works for, um, and uh, they all say no, no, no. But they also need a man on occasion, uh, an extra man for the team. Blah blah blah. Uh, and they feel bad for him, so they let him. Well, on. it's not even that they need an extra man. They're a good five man team. They got it. They're they're like the the junior rec league champions. <laughs> like they're doing great. But they yeah. However, but they need one. They need an alternate because a player gets injured, and the only reason he's there well, is because that kind of comes him. in. Yeah. So anyway, but he was on the team before that. It was, it was basically that like they were. They, they they work at this mall, they clean it every night, but they, they practice basketball. They do what they're not supposed to, but they, they hang out, play, practice their game. Uh, Ernest, of course, tries to be in this, fucks it up royally, uh, destroys the mall, as he is wont to do. Uh, and then, yeah, they get in trouble. But Ernest takes one for the team that he is not a part of and was never asked to be a part of. And it's just like, hey, just garnish my wages because I'm an immortal being and I, no one's ever seen me eat or do anything like that. So I don't need money to actually survive. I have a shack that I just happen to have. Uh, garnish my wages for the rest of my life. And because he took one for the team, they're like, okay, Ernest can be a part of the team. He can be... Uh, number negative zero on the clean sweep basketball team and he's basically a mascot yeah it's a it's it's a little bit so they basically say to him uh he'll never play with us uh he'll just play dress up so basically he gets to come he gets to be a mascot which is sort of like when my little cousin we'd be playing n64 and my little cousins would want to play but like the older cousins and I would actually be playing, so and we'd be at four max players. So we would give. Oh, you're them... the manager of my my N64 league. Yeah, and so we would give the little little kids an unplugged controller, and then every few minutes tell them that they're winning. Um, it was sort of like that. But... See, I think I think I think that's more emotionally abusive than anything Ernest does in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like you're fucked up, dude. <laughs> that is mean. <laughs> point here is that Ernest is sort of like a mascot you have we have to recognize the fact that they kind of treat him like a mentally challenged friend and in that sense it would be sort Which of he like is. if if radio got special football a special football helmet at some point and then he could play on the team you know what better movie <laughs> than, than what we actually got yeah yeah it would be a lot less condescending wouldn't it 
Yeah, exactly. Just be like, oh no, it's just kind of like a weird sci-fi movie <laughs> where this kid <laughs> picks up a magic helmet and is able to fucking tackle everybody. Yeah, so it, it does. It is sort of like a radio situation, but since it's earnest, you're like, he's Again, not actually mentally it, challenged. If you they, if you make radio more like Teen Wolf, it would have been a better movie, and Cuba Gooding Jr. would have had a better career at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because radio is where it all went wrong. Really? Yeah. Can we agree on that? Yeah, definitely. Isn't it weird, though, that everyone treats Ernest like he's mentally challenged, but Ernest is not, like, actually technically? He's just, like, a grown adult man-boy. But not the kind that, like, can be shamed in the third act into manning up, like, in an Adam Sandler movie. He, he's the kind of man-boy where it's, like, everyone treats him gently because they know, like, this is as smart as he's going to get. Well, and him manning up, so to say, is usually the the kind of second to third act turn like heel thing like him manning up or being like a man is usually a downside it's usually his downfall like in this movie when he mans up when he like thinks of himself as a star and like is the man of the team because he like, gets that... special shoes from kareem abdul jabbar uh who is the archangel of basketball yeah 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 we'll get to that okay cool. what i'm saying like him uh kind of manning up uh, as you would see in like an adam sandler movie or something is usually the detractor thing like that's what causes the big strife and the third act problem that he has to come back from and just be his old self just be fucking nice earnest in order to become the hero again in order to save the day he has to go back to being earnest as opposed to like adam Sandler movies where it's just like oh you're just a piece of shit throughout the whole thing and then like oh no you have to become a man and then you're the hero and then like, you're no, still like earnest is already earnest and it's just like him straying from that is the bad thing yeah, which is, I think, um, I think the whole movie can work as a, a good, you know, speaking to kids. I, kid, no kid would ever be inspired by this movie, but it, it can speak to kids about how, um, well, A, why you shouldn't well, cheat. Um, um, hey, Pete, mm-hmm. you know you know what kid was inspired by this movie? What, what, was, what was the, the kid's fucking favorite? one you're talking to right now? Oh, inspired to become a deranged antisocial sociopath got it well Um, i mean it's working for me and you know what this is a movie that i feel like uh christian parents would show their little christian children (laughs) to show them about how to avoid the devil and about how kareem abdul jabbar is an angel yeah i mean he is uh he provides a special uh space boots to Ernest. uh they're sick-ass kicks which they are the ugliest fucking shoes I've ever Why seen. Why do they in my have life. like a habit trail running around them? They have all they these like clear tubing tubes and shit. Yeah, like why do they have tubing and they have like eyes on the? Like I get the eyes thing for like them being magic shoes and then kind of having like cognizance and stuff like They're that. They're kind of critters. That makes sense for Ernest, but even later on when like the the main dude's kid like steals the shoes, they still have the eyeballs. That's the design of the shoe. That's not just Ernest's shoes. Those are the shoes. Yeah. That confused the shit out of me. Yeah. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the devil. Uh, it's, it's a demon and an angel having like a little fight, a little spar. Um, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, of course, the patron saint of basketball. What is it? The, the, the archangel. archangel of basketball. And like every other character in this movie, including the entire basketball team, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, clean sweep. Everybody in the movie uh, doesn't like Ernest and kind of treats him like he's like this like moron that they have to deal with. And like 
uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he's like, do I have to give the shoes to this guy? And then God rains down like thundery might. Um, Which, here's the thing too, because we've talked a lot about Ernest being like an immortal being, like something beyond the rest of us. So in this movie, Ernest gets to be a part of the team. He goes to the game as basically a sideline cheerleader, uh, fucks up the game, ends up making them lose, and then everyone's against him. So Ernest prays to God. He's just like, why me, God? And then God immediately fucking answers him and sends the archangel of basketball down to give him shoes to make him win. Like, why is he so tight with God, man? Like, what, what is Ernest to where, like, supreme beings immediately come to his beck and call? Yeah. Um... So... God... I think Ernest. Owes yeah, God. right. <laughs> I think God owes Ernest a favor. Maybe I think that Ernest did something for God that was outside the bounds of his power, and God had so to pull the a cell phone. What 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 would he have done for God? Because again, even if you go back to uh, Ernest goes to jail, he got electrocuted in an electric chair, did not die, and gained godlike electronic powers like he was a fucking X Men. So like that seems like that was God looking out for him right there. Like that was what that what was, did but he that was do? probably Ernest just channeling like a natural element through his already existing power dynamic, and that Ernest is sort of like almost like a battery for different powers that he can suck up briefly. I don't think that that's that's godly at all. I think Ernest is actually a demonic figure in this sense. I think that Ernest can can use. Oh no, the Ernest is definitely a demon. He, but he but the, what did he do? What dirt elements. does he? What dirt does he have on God to, you know, to have God looking out for him in this way? Uh, he knows that God knocked up Joseph's wife. Uh, we all know that. Yeah, but maybe back then it felt like it was good dirt. He knows that. Oh, back, back back in the BCE when Ernest first spawned. Oh, God had a ska band back in the 90s, and Ernest has the demo tape. Okay, if it was in the 90s, there is no shame in that. Uh, because that well, what was about, perfectly okay at the time. Someone who had a, a ska a ska tape in the nineties. I I would goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, did I not tell you that I'm I'm very into ska? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, did I end our friendship? Oh, that's awesome! Don't tell me about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome! Don't tell me about it. <laughs> And then there's another guy, there's a demonic guy named Moloch, um, which anybody with a passing understanding would know that that's... Um, what was his first name? It was it was something with a Z. Yeah. Like Z, Zeglif Moloch. <laughs> yeah, Zeglif. Got it. Um, which, by the way, the entire... Okay, so Ernest, again, is just kind of a pawn in this story. It's really a story about good versus evil, God versus the devil... And it all revolves around getting a little kid to steal a pair of shoes to set his life on the wrong path. And Ernest happens to come along and fuck it up for the devil because he's our good boy Ernest. He is. That's what this movie is. And let's, okay, so let's let's pause right here. Um, According to Wikipedia... Oh no. uh, Moloch is the biblical name of a Canaanite god associated with child sacrifice. Um... 
So you wanted to kill that kid? I think you wanted uh, to murder that kid to fulfill some sort of demonic whim. Um, oh, but he had to steal his soul first. He had to bring his soul over to the dark side, which is in why order he was to be able to sacrifice them. Ernest and the shoes to try and seduce the kid to. Which again, the ugliest cool. fucking shoes I've ever seen in my life. I, who would ever want to steal these? There's that, fucking tubing around them. And what's amazing they about that? They have eyeballs. <laughs> what's amazing about that is like classic Air Jordans that like people used to freak out about and then, you know, white commentators used to make fun of and be like, who would pay that much for a shoe? Um, they're at least decently designed. They looked cool. A lot, yeah, a lot of them go for like thousands and thousands of dollars. They're still collector's items because they're fucking cool looking. The, these, these like air earnest ones are so fucking terrible like however i i will say if if i was on ebay and i saw like an original prop pair of these shoes on sale i'd probably pay a couple thousand dollars yeah yeah if i got the chance yeah i mean do you really need your car no you should stay home and watch more earnest movies or their cool new cool new sneaks yeah, who needs a job? I don't know. I'm sure I can find someone to mooch off of. <laughs> uh, Moloch. Mooch off of Moloch. Um, so Moloch's, Moloch's pitch with the shoes is uh, not as sexy as one might think, except for when he's offering Ernest sex directly. Um, well, that's I guess pretty sexy, I think, when yeah. you offer someone sex. Well, yeah, I guess let's bring this up. Uh, does Ernest fuck in this movie? Yeah, Ernest fucks in this movie, and I'm pretty sure he fucks in front of the devil in this movie, and the devil watches him fuck this lady in a limo. You um, know when someone is being seduced in a movie, and then they cut to an exterior shot of the limo? In all film language, that means those two are fucking. In this case, the devil is still hanging out in the back of the car. But I guess it makes sense. It's not the actual devil, it's just a demon with a certain goal. That makes way more sense because honestly, if it's the devil, that's a fucking weak sauce devil that we have going on in this movie. Weak sauce. And he's he's mostly working as a shoe salesman. Um Yeah, he's the Al Bundy of he's devils. The Al Bundy. <laughs> um Al Bundy I'm is, like that. <laughs> I think Al Bundy is more demonic than this guy in many ways. Al Bundy refuses to fuck his wife. On principle, I guess. Um, and it's Katie fucking Seagal. Like, come on, dude. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, Katie Seagal is a gorgeous woman. I would never do this uh, on a gender reverse, but, like, you have obligations to your wife, dude. Just come on. Um, yeah. But uh, you, there's a question. Uh, the, the but especially if ongoing... you look like a fucking schlub, like Ed O'Neill, <laughs> and you're married to fucking Katie Seagal, like, come on. Like, you got it way better than you probably should. Yeah, get it together. Yeah, give her what she wants. Yeah, give the lady what she wants. It doesn't matter what you want, Ernest. And, uh... <laughs> or, I mean, I, I mean, that's not even... I, all of that sounds kind of gross to me as well. But as anti-woman as he is in that show, and as Lindsay goes through to not fuck his wife, maybe you should just explore maybe what you actually want sexually in your life and stuff like that, and go do that and be happy instead of playing up the charade for your entire family that you just went into because that's what you were supposed to do. That's kind of what I got from Al Bundy. Yeah, Al. Um, so er, one of the developing tropes is, yes, does Ernest fuck? There is a woman in this movie that is entirely designed to seduce Ernest, and I love that she is like 
this sort of dorky, bookish girl and not she like... She seems perfect for Ernest. Yeah, she's not like, uh, you know, typical whatever the 90s version of a blonde bombshell would be. Like, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing that they chose that. Like, almost as like riffing off of the, the old thing that like, you know, the devil has like a thrall of... And, you know, Dracula and the devil and all these evil sort of archetypes have like a thrall of beautiful women around him. Uh, that the devil has this this like yeah like librarian type in his thrall. I love that, which is perfect for Ernest, which is what Ernest wants. But I love how they kind of flip that because, of course, like in other Ernest movies, like it's kind of that type of, uh, of character, that type of woman that like oh, it's kind of in the ballpark for what Ernest could get, and like then she ends up seeing the good side of Ernest, blah blah blah. But here it's like no, she's actually more of a character than I think most of the women in Ernest movies is that like, no, she actually doesn't give a shit about Ernest. She might be kind of nerdist or or bookwormish or whatever, but no, she wants money. She wants to be rich. She sells lottery tickets and she's obsessed with this. So she immediately sides with the devil way before she tries to get Ernest involved and just like, no, I want money. What do you need me to do? Seduce this fucking dork. I don't have any interest in. Yeah, I'll do that. Give me the money. And like, is just an, kind of evil character that Ernest kind of has to push away or or decide is not good for him, which I think is much more character development than we've seen in a lot of his romantic relationships. Yep, I I completely agree. And she when she actually like the transformation that she does when she like puts on lipstick and puts on the dress and stuff is actually somewhat startling. Um mm-hmm. because then which all actually of a sudden that she... actress uh she hasn't had a lot of live action roles but she's a huge like voice actress which you can see because she does very like awesome vocal uh inflections especially like being the the nerdish woman versus when she becomes the devilish like money obsessed woman like the change in her voice and stuff but she's done like tons of voice work in all sorts of tv shows and animated shows and stuff like that yeah that's pretty cool because there's while we're there we should talk about the cast um it's pretty cool, though, because there's a lot of recognizable faces in this one, which after Goes to Africa, I was not what I was expecting. Well, um, just in general, there haven't been a lot of, unless they're part of the, the Varney Cherry troupe, there haven't been a lot of noticeable stars in any of these movies. No, because, yeah, they don't know those guys, so why would they ask? Other uh, notable people, uh, Miguel A. Nunez Jr., uh, Juana Man himself. Yes, Juana Man himself. Also, you know, another basketball movie. Guaranteed that movie has uh, aged like fucking milk. Uh, Black Dynamite, Return of the Living Dead, like we just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's in. Kicking it old school. <laughs> yes. Do you know what else he's in? It has Van Damme in it. Oh, what was he in with Van Damme? Uh, was it. Was it Death Warrant? Street Fighter. Oh yeah! Oh my God, he was in Street Fighter. He he's was got a like very a... recognizable face, and he's got sort of bigger eyes. Like he's got a very yeah. like recognizable Which, look. Also, he has been acting for like thirty, forty years. Like has not changed his look at all. Like he still looks the same as he did back then. But yeah, no, he he was fucking Bison's number two guy that like had the the funny lines and was like a weasel and like trying to sneak away and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of stuff. Um, and then there's another guy. Because going back to Return of the Living Dead, that's like 84, 85? Going yeah. all the way like, to even like Juana Man and stuff, that's like early, mid-2000s. Like, a long time and always looked the same. Yeah, yeah, he's he's looked the same as, as he does. He is an ageless immortal being. <laughs> that's why he's in an Ernest movie, because they cast their own. 
Oh, that's so true. Because when they're all gathered together, they grow even more powerful. Or is it a Highlander thing where Ernest was trying to? Yeah, no. He he he's he's feeding off the the energy of Miguel Nunez Jr. Yeah. Um, and there's also a guy. I think his name is pronounced Silk Cozart. C Y L K. Um, he doesn't even have a picture on IMDb, which really is Which sad. is crazy, because he's had a good career. He's been in a lot of stuff. A lot and, of like, sitcoms. He's, he's the and... most recognizable face. Like I, Even as a kid, like I knew him from stuff. Yeah, he has a super recognizable face, because it's very like distinct, a distinct kind of handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but very handsome. Yes, and he's in White Men Can't Jump, Eraser, Conspiracy Theory, a lot of sitcoms like Fresh Prince and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Like mm. He had one of those faces that I'm sure got burned into my memory just from... Definitely from sitcoms, but I think yes. like as I grew up, I saw him in more stuff, like saw him in movies like White Men Can't Jump and Conspiracy Theory and 16 Blocks and things like that. Yeah, he's a, he's a, cool, he's a cool actor, and so his character is, is the lead of the group. He owns this uh, company called Clean Sweep. Clean uh, Company? It's a cleaning company that cleans malls, and uh, his entire company is on the basketball team except for Ernest. Clean also called Clean Sweep. Also called Clean Sweep. Uh, not covering his tracks at all. Um, and he Which, has a... by the way, it seems like every team in this, minus the actual like Charlotte Hornets, are just named after like a company. There's like, hey, we have a company, and the company has a basketball team, and we name it after the company. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it's funny, though, because like, a lot of these corporate teams that end up doing these baseball leagues and stuff, they end up coming with, up with something that's completely unrelated to the company, though, because then it's like... You're distancing yourself from work a little bit? I don't know. Anyways. Um, Instead of just calling it, like, the company. <laughs> yes, yes. And also the company probably doesn't really like you being associated with all that. Um, anyways, so. Which, by the nice way, cast- I do let's say about the company. The company is called Clean Sweep. Uh, Ernest drives, like, a very kind of hillbilly truck in this movie. One touch that I love is that, like, he made his shitty truck into a company truck by like personally hand painting clean sweep onto the side of the door, but like very poorly. Yeah. Where like he, it just shows how much he's trying to like be a part of the team and be a part of the company kind of thing. It really speaks to the character. And there's a lot of moments in the movie, like uh, after Ernest causes, or causes that big mess, he takes ownership for it so the company doesn't get fired from the contract working at the mall and like it's kind of cool but he's really just doing it to be a part of the team yeah yeah he he doesn't he doesn't think the money necessarily matters he's more in it just for the companionship because for eons now he's survived he's seen currencies fall he was there um he was there after world war one when people were born burning deutschmarks for fuel because they had been so devaluized by by currency he was there when at the fall of rome when when people were buying buying bread with buckets of nickels uh buckets of coins he's seen the, the, the how little money values but he knows that what really values is companionship well and, and of the, course he he doesn't need to eat he doesn't need to to really sleep he doesn't need to drink anything like yeah, he can just go on he, he can do this he doesn't need uh our uh, our humanly ways our no. earthly values no 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 except for sex he needs that um oh he, no he wants to fuck real bad yeah yeah movie. yeah um, so Ernest gets these magic boots. He starts being amazing at basketball. And well, well, let before we even get to that, 
so he get he gets to be a part of the team because uh, he basically destroyed a fucking mall like he is tend to do, um, and then of course the the owner of the clean sweep uh, gets blamed for it and is like, who's gonna pay for it? Ernest offers himself up. He's like, hey, just garnish my wages for the rest of my fucking life. I'll take the fall. I'll take the heat. And they're like, thanks, Ernest. You really saved us. If there's anything we can do, let us know and we'll do it. And he's like, well, actually, because this was my plan all along, I just want to be a part of your basketball team. So he becomes a part of the basketball team, kind of like a, as a mascot. He gets a shitty, like, hand-painted uniform kind of thing. Uh, one of the only kind of uncomfortable, like, racial scenes in this movie is that first scene with him in the locker room where he comes in, like, they're all hyped and hyping each other up and stuff, and he comes in and he says stuff like, yeah, right on, out of state, frozen. (laughs) But Miguel Nunez Jr. has a line where he's just like, man, you, because he says like, oh, this is the proudest moment of my life being a part of this team. He's like, oh man, you must have had less of a life than I even thought. And I immediately was like, fuck you. I I saved a summer camp, I helped Santa, I went to jail, I fought trolls, what the fuck have you done? Like, but then that made me think, He's like, like, uh, I dressed as a a woman to get into the WNBA, um... Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes for you. Do you think that this movie is in the Joanna Man universe? Well, of course, every movie I think is in the Joanna Man universe. But what what I was thinking about that is that, like... He says it's the proudest moment of his life, and then, like, they say, like, oh, you haven't done anything with your life, but he's done all these things. So that makes me think, like, think of all the physical turmoil Ernest goes through, how many times he gets hit in the head, how many times he falls down. Like, does he just not remember any of that? Like, is he just kind of wanders from adventure to adventure not actually retaining anything? And not knowing anything but, like, his name and, like, his attitude? I think that he doesn't know how to adapt what he learned to new uh, settings. I'm saying, like, where's Rimshot? Did, Where did Ernest Rimshot? just wander? Did Ernest wander off from Rimshot one day and just like, you know, it it never came back? Dog didn't um, follow him. Well, Rimshot died because Rimshot couldn't keep up. Mm. He needed to move on to the next town, and Rimshot was walking too slow. But yeah, I figured Ernest just left him behind, and then he. Yeah. I mean, oh no, no, no! Do you want to hear that Ernest Rimshot drained died. him like a blood I, bag? Do you want to hear that? Well, if that's what happened, then that's what I need to hear. But no, I think that Ernest just kind of wandered off from him. Rimshot figured he was better off without him, uh, and Rimshot—he was a smart dog. He figured yeah. it out. He he found a new owner. Like he 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 could fucking live on the streets by himself and be just fine, and actually live a better life than Ernest can by himself. Yeah, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that Rimshot is alive. The bad news <gasps> is that he's running a hedge fund. Well, I mean, if I was going to have anyone doing that, it, that's one I'd want to be a part of. I mean, yeah. I, I, tr- I trust him. I trust our little guy, Rimshot. He is sorely missed. I really miss Ernest having like a sidekick like that because it makes him a little less sad. And doing it as a dog instead of kids makes it way better and less creepy and and pedo-y. Um, if he just has a dog, you can see a dude with a dog. I, I'm glad we got rid of like the whole Ernest with kids thing at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always a kid, a kid around. Yeah. There's always a kid around, but he doesn't have that much direct action to him. Like, he doesn't even touch him at all in this movie. He's just, to the sidelines, he sees that, like, oh, no, I'm making him not believe in his own dad. I gotta make his dad be the hero. But, like, he doesn't have any one-on-one conversations. Not Ernest just hanging out with kids, which I think they maybe realized after a while was not the best no uh, bueno. group to take. Um. Also, I mean, like, okay, so Ernest at one point is a clumsy kid's hero. And kids are clumsy. They, they're growing into their bodies. They don't really know. They're falling over all the time. They don't really know how to manage their feelings. Falling over on their big dumb heads all the time. Yeah. they're top heavy. Yeah. Big fucking watery brains are just throwing their weight <laughs> off. And they're trying around for me there. to be. It, it, awful. The design of children is just terrible. Um. Yeah, but, poor but, poor job, God. Yeah, really, really boofed that one. And I will say, children are also emotionally clumsy. And children don't know, children often like break a bunch of eggshells trying to accomplish their, their goal. And they're like, well, I need this person to be my friend. And then they'll do a bunch of shit, weird shit to... Uh, impress somebody and then like not even realize that that they were they were actually running in the opposite direction and obviously adults so do this too but i feel exactly like that was what ch- earnest i feel like that's what child childhood was is doing that constantly like never knowing really when you could just be chill um that's why Ernest Ernest like that. was such a childhood hero that's why like he connected with me as a child because like yes i was Ernest. like Ernest is a child in that regard but actually in the headspace not just like an adult being a a dickhead and acting like a child it's no it's someone that's genuinely heartfelt and there but just does things in the way of a child yeah he doesn't seem to have any interior life and he doesn't seem to have any like he can be he can be slaughtered by someone being mean to him um and and i feel like in this it's interesting because it's this isn't just speaking to how you know kids for like hey kids like this could be your your adult child man hero and this it's also working as a Ernest is bad at sports too so it speaks to the kids that feel bad at sports which is probably like a lot of kids yeah that was me I was a chubby kid even because I was too and even the kids that like are pretty okay or good at sports probably feel like they're like oh man I hate when I ruin. I ruined this thing for the team. The team was winning and I fucked it up. Like, it's a relatable thing because every kid kind of gets pushed into sports unless, like, your parents really took mercy on you. Yeah, well, not even that. Like, I think I never got pushed into sports, but I was just actually terrified of them. When I was a very young kid, like, in early elementary school, like I said, I was kind of a chubby kid and stuff like that. We had these, uh, you know, we had our PE classes or whatever, and there was, like, one day a week or one day a month or whatever we had to, like run the mile and stuff like that and i i was so terrified of that and also embarrassed of always like not being able to do that and coming in like one of the last places if not the last to where like one day where i was going to school my dad was taking me to school and i knew that was going to happen i like cried and threw a fit to like not have to go to school that day because i was so terrified and embarrassed about that kind of thing to where like i actually didn't have to go to school that day and my dad took me into my grandma's kind of thing because i flipped out so bad about it because that's the kind of pressure of like sports and physical activity for a kid that isn't good at it can happen in elementary school yeah and thus the saddest story ever told on this podcast (laughs) there's there's a lot you can learn good and bad lessons from doing sports i mean you could learn that you're you can learn like the nature of teamwork and how to be a graceful loser and all that shit. But also you can learn like, um, well, that's team shit. 
this is like individual like each kid is judged on his own thing of like running yeah. this thing but you can so also it learn like, oh, it's like, just me and i suck and you, I, i'm you terrified can, of that and you can also learn to resent physical activity like i didn't like running until i started making myself do it and i was like oh wait this is kind of fun when i don't have a gym teacher yelling at me to, to do this yeah. um but yeah it's it's um sports they're there for a reason i guess yeah, we've got them. Um, <laughs> yeah, they That's are our thesis there. statement of this yep, episode. We've got them. However, I have to bring up what I think is the biggest thing in this movie and something that... Ernest Cock. It's... Okay, so Slam Dunk Ernest, it's, it's a fine movie. Like, it's enjoyable. It's not overly... Yes, that's, that's where it's I'm at. Overly great. It's kind of middle of the road. However, I think this blows open the doors of the Ernest universe in a number of ways. Uh, and I'm going to ask if you noticed the team names of the teams that they were playing against. Uh, the Hornets? Is the NBA well, that, team? That's, the, that, that's the, the big league team they were playing against. Did you notice the other like minor league teams they were playing against uh, go, going through it, getting to that? They didn't personalize the team at all. Like that—that that was a weird mistake. Because oh. usually, when the teams come in for these sports movies, they're like, "Yeah, they're the knuckle breakers. They—they they always play dirty." Or like this team comes oh. in, and was like, "Oh, that's the those are the rich kids." Oh, those my are dear the- boy Peter, these were all Easter eggs that connected this to the Ernest universe. Oh. That actually makes it all seem like it, it all takes place within the same little amount of area, and everything is connected. Okay, like fucking dirk gently so the first team they played uh the basketball team for crater construction crater construction is the evil construction company run by 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 dean vernon (laughs) and ernest goes to camp oh my god i didn't catch that they played for they played for crater construction but it's not just them it's every single team so (laughs) we also have uh another team that plays for Hackmore Antiques. Old Lady Hackmore from uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Her antique shop, I guess. Wow. Yeah, the next team is a uh, Kikakee Smoked Fish. Camp Kikakee. I guess uh, after Ernest killed all those people and Ernest goes to camp and obviously there was a, a big melee and fire and stuff like that. It no longer became... Even though they got the rights at the end, it didn't become a camp. They closed down. They became a smoked fish factory. Um, still keeping the name of Kikakee. Mm. wise move i i think that they they yeah. probably gained a lot of pr by being associated with a burned down camp and then the last team they the last local team they play is called trantor dairy trantor is the name of the the main troll from ernest scared stupid and then it's a dairy uh company wow <laughs> dairy being milk the thing that took him out so so it's a it's a suicidal company yeah, so so not only is it kind of like funny Easter eggs from the past movies, but that all makes it seem because this obviously they're playing the 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 Hornets, the they're in North Carolina, I guess. So all of this takes place, I guess, within this little area, maybe you know within a state or two of this North Carolina thing. But all these companies are coming back, and so Ernest had an effect on all of these things. But he's still like it's almost like he still kind of has to go from like little town to little town after all these adventures and he's affected all of these things but it it just he can't stay because obviously it's always weird after he's been there and he just kind of is wandering from town to town maybe not even knowing exactly who he is or what he's done before it's i'm just saying it's this is like the marvel universe 
pretty much. Like, bef- I think this is what the Marvel Universe drew from when they decided to build a connected movie universe and things like that. They drew from the Ernest franchise, and now that's what everyone is trying to copy in Hollywood right now. Wow. You really cracked this case wide open, Captain. I <laughs> I, I, I want to see your weird storage locker full of uh, different pins attached to strings and... You you like yeah no that that's called my bedroom Peter got it got it have you considered like you're you're locker? you're fucking lucky that the Skype call isn't video and it's only audio because <laughs> you would see some weird shit going yeah on. just be me slowly backing away from the computer but my headphones are plugged in so I'd be dragging the computer off the table onto the floor um, yeah and you'd be terrified and then all of a sudden I'm right behind you yeah I'd be terrified um yeah that's that's a great connection do you think that maybe um they also didn't want to come up with five other proper nouns. Well, I, yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, probably. Because yeah. I don't think they even really thought that the fan base was that large to where like, oh, everyone will really be stoked about these little Easter eggs. But I mean, there's even a scene in this movie where Ernest, like, kind of like romantically, when he's singing, thinking about going on this date with, with the lady he wants to go on, he's singing the song from Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam. Like, our, our love is like a festering wound kind of thing. He's singing that song. So this movie, this Ernest movie, is basically like the Ready Player One of Ernest movies. It's just all references I, to previous movies. Wow. And he, or it's the Castle Rock, where it's just all mm-hmm. the old Stephen King references jammed together. Exactly. Um, that's that's very impressive uh, detective work over here, Captain. I'm... I'm Frankly, I'm going to need you to write a report. When did I get promoted to captain, by the way? Like, uh, I, know, I still thought I was a cadet, the same as you, my boy. In, well, but, in the, I think after in the Army, you got to be sergeant. Um, and I think we both got a Purple Heart for sitting through Ernest Goes to Africa. Um, that's the least they could do for us. Yeah, I mean, it's for psychological trauma, less than, you know, physical trauma. The movie didn't actively hurt me. Um, it just actively hurted me, you know? Um, yeah. I gotta say, Ernest's arc in this is very interesting. There's, because he goes from normal, likable Ernest to conceited douchebag. What's interesting about that is that he, it it feels like a natural progression because he's like, this is what happens because Ernest is a bullshitter to back up his insecurities, right? Like Ernest... He has to because that's all he has. Yeah, because he's bad at pretty much everything. Um, so he's backing up his insecurities, right? He's not just like he's not just bullshitting because like he's trying to milk money out of people or whatever. He's trying to milk affection out of people and, and appreciation. He's trying to boost himself up and trying to make himself feel important and also trying to make other people think that he is important. So what happens when he gains this superpower? And a bullshitter doesn't have to bullshit anymore. He can actually back it up. He turns and into is, a monster. This is the teen, this is the teen Wolf part, though, because eventually, like, it, he's like, "Oh no, I have this power. That's great." And he works with the team at first, but then becomes the hot dog. He becomes like, "Oh, it's all about me." And then eventually has to learn, "No, it's really about teamwork." I only felt good when I was a part of the team. It's not good being like the star, being like the only one that's doing anything, because I'm hurting these people, and I'm not really being me. And, you know, I mean, Ernest P. Whirl, Michael J. Fox, you know, the names are similar. You got the middle initial. I'm just saying, like, there's some parallel there. And uh, I'm not sure who based what off whom and uh, what, what happened. But I'm just saying, I think there is a strong, familiar bond between Michael J. Fox and Ernest P. Whirl. 
couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, they come from different worlds, literally. Um, different worlds. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> yeah. And, yes, yeah, guy. Yeah, and uh, Dimension 42 slash B. Um, <laughs> but there's also, like, in that moment, you can see what Ernest would be like if he wasn't a little humbled by his experiences. Like, he steals a ball that's going up as a three-pointer and turns it into a two-pointer because he turns into an alley-oop. Like, that is such a hilarious... That is such a hilarious bit of, of filmmaking because, like, he is that that is the only reason you would do that is for your own ego, right? Like, yeah, that's not helping the team. That's just like, oh, the ball's in the air and I can do things with it. So there I go. Yes. Um, Which I, I I don't know if we ever actually mentioned this. I know you started to, but I think we kind of like held off it. But yeah, he does get magic shoes from uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Do you think the shoes are like a? They could be an allegory for white privilege, because like all of us, he like, does become the white hero. Because he's this mediocre white dude in this movie, and then all, and all these. He's people. the one that God helps and sends down these magical shoes for. Yeah. Other than the very hardworking, very talented actual basketball team. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they they're could do this by ass. themselves. And then he gets he gets this artificial bullshitty arbitrary like advantage all all out of out of the heavens somewhere for no fucking reason apparently like purely on a dare too it's not because Ernest is a more moral person than them or anything if anything Barry is probably the most moral moral person re- yeah no Barry definitely is the most moral person and tries to teach his, his child correctly Shit and teach child. him how to live shithead child that follows Ernest instead of his very solid dad that teaches him like hard work will get you everywhere trying like being in the moment will help and Ernest is just like I got magic shoes and it's like I want to be like Ernest no fuck that because even Ernest it's a byproduct of all this Ernest, this has nothing to do with Ernest Ernest is not special in this story it's really just like one of those like oh, God versus the devil who's gonna win everybody is pawns in our game and at the end of the day it's just saying that none of that matters it's all bullshit and God and the devil are a lie mm-hmm yeah. Hard work and reality and life is what matters. Basically, this is Ernest saying God is dead. Is this a, like an Ayn Rand thing? Well, yeah. I mean, they were good friends. Jim Varney and Ayn yeah. Rand. Does, does a man not deserve the sweat of his own brow? I, I'm i concerned now that this is a libertarian text. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I... I'm just saying, I, I was very surprised by like how faith-based this movie was in a lot of ways that this was like a god versus the devil movie yeah which i kind of forgot about from my childhood how many actors do you think they would have had a cut out of the movie in order to get kareem abdul jabbar to actually like take a shot because he notably doesn't do any basketball in the movie well he does in as much as he magically makes a basketball come into his hands several times um, but I did read uh, the, the Ernest book I have written by director John Cherry. Uh, and his whole story about this movie is just like, so yeah, we were super excited. We got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be in the movie and like some good actors and stuff like that. So he was like the best basketball player of all time. Still has the highest scoring record of all time. Uh, that does not translate to acting. He was not good at acting. So we kind of gave a lot of his lines to Ernest to like explain to himself what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wild. I bet you yeah. I bet you all of them were still like flabbergasted by the idea that they get to meet this guy cuz he was like a god on earth for that period of time like 
And it's so weird to see him on screen sometimes because there's like a scene where uh, when he first meets Ernest and is in the locker room and he's like standing in front of the door before he leaves and his head is like a foot and a half above the door frame. He is <laughs> just like, huge. oh man, that must be like horrible just like walking through doorways for you. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a bit of a curse if you really think about it to be uh but he's also eternally famous and the highest scoring player in nba history and yeah and he's also supposed to be a very good career person and he's social yeah and he seems like a nowhere. super sweet guy yeah yeah he was very great he was great in uh airplane yeah exactly uh didn't have quite as much to do as he did in this movie though which is maybe why they cut it down a little bit yeah yeah it, the movie's a little long too there's there's a little bit too much basketball in it um this, for, this movie how is bad an, those montages this movie are. is an hour this movie is 92 minutes long it's an hour and 32 minutes and it is kind of long they they definitely <laughs> I, I my rule it's not outside my normal range but my rule has always been that every movie probably needs 20 percent cut out of it and uh this movie right on the money 20 percent of, of of the movie could have been just taken out entirely um, but yeah, so I think that's kind of it. Do you, uh, do you have any final thoughts on Slam Dunk Ernest? I, <laughs> again, there are things we didn't go into as far as like his relationship with the lady. Uh, there's a weird kind of like David Lynch-ish, like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory tunnel scene with them riding the limo with the devil and that lady and them like mouth to mouth like and me and money and me and more money like it's uh it's this movie kind of freaked me out like i kind of realized why i have such a, a predilection towards like really dark twisted humor because like this is one of my favorite movies as a kid <laughs> like seeing this kind of stuff and watching stuff like willy wonka and the chocolate factory and things like that like i think i get like why i have such a dark twisted sense of humor and why that stuff does it for me because like even now i'm just like how was i not terrified of shit like this as a child and i was like no i just ate it up and loved it and watched it repeatedly so again uh my final thoughts on slam dunk Ernest is watching Ernest and being obsessed with him and being a fan of him turned me into the sick sadistic monster that i am today yeah i mean you're um you're kind of the worst you're kind of trash you're kind of trash but like i'm gonna come back next time so there's something alluring about the trash you know you're the guy, well, you're the guy I, that i'm I a trashy be. bad boy you're a trashy bad boy and i'm the golden boy and because of that we form a sort of yin yin and yang for this show and i think that the balance is important because i also will just say that in the end of this movie the whole thing is that like god wins right the devil loses. Uh, he gets the kid to steal the pair of shoes, but then the kid feels bad and looks up to his dad. So he returns the shoes. God wins. The devil loses. Very, very low stakes as far as the supreme being kind of thing goes. Um, but then at the end of the day, with all these very talented actual basketball players, Ernest actually wins the game through fucking buffoonery and just fucking his way through life. To where he throws the most terrible free throw, um, it bounces off of everything, fucks up a bunch of shit, but still makes the goal. And at the end of the day, he still gets to be the great white hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still gets to... I, that's that's the one interesting thing about this movie is that, like, 
they constantly hammer home how much better the team is than him and that like he can maybe bumble his bumble fuck his way into not ruining it and i really like that like at no point do they, they make it very clear the whole time that all these guys are the real team and he just has this like insane cheat fucking almost. magic shoes his yeah. fucking corked back which thing. again much like teen wolf how is any of this fucking legal <laughs> like in teen wolf like he becomes a werewolf and becomes super great and super powerful at basketball because he has all these extra powers and everyone's just like yeah that checks out this guy gets very obviously magical shoes that make him levitate and fly and float in the air and no one's just like well that doesn't seem fair like that did their rules i no, it's it's fine it's obviously natural ability for this little bumblefuck <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't even know. How do we usually wrap these up? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, by being drained of yeah, all of our energy of and our... intelligence. <laughs> so, yes. So, Marcus, what are we doing next time? Well, okay. So we're at episode eight of what we initially thought would be thirteen episodes, uh, something around that. So basically, I think we only have two actual movies left we have two feature-length earnest movies and then we have like some odds and ends uh some commercial compilations and things like that so it kind of depends do you want do you want to keep going movie wise do you want to knock out the movies and then go to the odds and ends or do you want do you want to do something a little bit uh off the cuff let's let's just keep powering through in um and on this cuff, this uh, this you know middle of the road cuff, so we have something good to end on. Yeah, because I kind of think what I'm thinking is maybe the last episode should be like the very first filmed earnest almost movie, which is like about an hour long, but it's Hey Vern, it's my family album, which is really a a tribute to Varney. It it shows his character work. He plays like a ton of different characters in, and it's not just him being earnest. I think that would be the perfect thing to go out on. Um, so right now we have Ernest Goes to School and Ernest Rides Again. I will say that Ernest Rides Again is director John Cherry's favorite out of all the Ernest movies. He he is most proud of that one. Um, so I say, why, why don't we uh, go to school with Ernest? Get get some, some knowledge, know what I mean? Yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. We'll do that one. We'll save the, the one that the director and co-creator of the character loves the most for last, movie-wise. Uh, and then we'll go to some other places. But next time, yeah, let, let's uh, go, go to school. Ernest is a... Uh, I'm pretty sure it, it's... I think it's pretty much Billy Madison. <laughs> I think that's what this Ernest <laughs> movie is. It's, it's In the way that this movie Billy is secretly Madison. like Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Didn't think about it that way. Well, at least it's not like like Mike too. <laughs> Goodness, said it better myself. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll go to school with Ernest next time and watch as Ernest does like a Billy Madison type of fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we wish you a good night, a Merry you know Christmas, I mean? <laughs> a merry, a very merry basketball, very merry Christmas basketball. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Hey.